following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Would you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks that we can be here as your people. I pray today that as I preach that your word would come through. Lord, that there would be more of you and less of me. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Part of what I get to do with the Harvest Partnership, our church planting network, is I lead uh, twice a month a church planter call. Now here lead and understand that like I'm the guy sending out the Zoom link, right? Like that's, I mean, I'm, I'm starting conversation and stuff too, but lead take very lightly. But I get the privilege to bring all these church planters together. A lot of us are in Texas, um, between Houston and Austin mainly, but we have a few from Michigan, one from Louisiana, uh, Mark when he was in Missouri, uh, but now he'll be here. But we, we have a group anywhere from, we've been as many as two and as many as 15 of pastors of church plants coming together. And we get a chance to just spend some time encouraging each other, sharing what we're learning, asking for prayer requests, and then we'll have some discussion time. Um, because what church planters are actually really good at is creatively acquiring things from each other. <laughs> Stealing. And what we'll do is we'll hear someone else do something really well, and we go, can you just send me that stuff so I don't have to do that work that you already did? And what's great is we all know that when we're in that situation, we will send it to someone else because then we trust when we need it, they're gonna send it to us. So it's this great circle of thievery. But this last time as I was sitting down kind of putting together the questions to say, what should we talk about? What should be our discussion topic when we get together? One of the simple questions I asked was, what are you doing in your life personally to continue your walk with the Lord? Not what programs are you putting together for your people, not what's the Bible reading plan that you know is the next thing at your church, but saying, what are you doing? Because it's important for us as pastors, as church planters, as people to be diving into the word, to be spending time in spiritual disciplines. Now, we heard a lot of different things, got a lot of great resources people shared, but one thing that kept popping up over and over was people talking about how they were praying. And what was really cool is sitting in the midst of all these church planters whose lives exist around um, absence of buildings, learning how to be creative. Everyone was saying, this is how I'm growing in my life of prayer. This is how I want to keep growing in that life. And it gave me hope because that's a place where I constantly feel like I need to keep growing. As we've talked about confession absolution, as we've talked about reading scripture, I want us to take a week to say, it is important for us to be in prayer. Together here is the body of Christ, but especially throughout the week, on our own, in groups, together. And so, when I was putting all this scripture together for this sermon series a couple of months ago, I chose this Mark 11 passage. And I thought, oh, this will be great. 
And then I started prepping the sermon over the last couple of weeks, and I thought, oh, this is such a hard prayer scripture. And we'll get into why that is. But I want to look at Mark 11 and expand it out just a little bit as we get going here, because an interesting thing happens right before our reading that we get to today. If we just add a couple of verses on, we see this. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not have doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer and believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, those last kind of lines is pretty famous scripture, right? If you look at this mountain and tell it to jump into the sea, it's gonna do it. And you go, Jesus, that's weird. Hold on to that thought, we're coming back to it because I wanna get into the actual other weird thing that's happening here, which is this famous discussion about prayer is led by Peter talking out loud. He's letting the inward thoughts become the outward thoughts, right? So he looks at Jesus and he says, um, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered, like Jesus forgot. Because here's what happened a couple verses earlier, starting in verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, outside Jerusalem, walking into Jerusalem, he was hungry. I love that. Jesus was like, I need my morning snack. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it, right? As you do, you're on a hike, you forgot the trail mix, you go, here's a wild fig tree. Perfect, right? And then this happens. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat the fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, this is a fascinating thing because why is Mark putting this story in the Bible, right? Jesus was hungry. Fig tree looked like it had something on it. He got closer, he didn't. And he goes, fine, fig tree, you're done, right? You didn't give me my snack, it's over. But I also love this little, this little aside that Mark gives. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So it, like it wasn't even growing season. But Jesus says, listen, no, may no one ever eat of your fruit from you again. And then the disciples heard it, and then Peter would remark, hey, Jesus, that fig tree that you told no one would ever eat from it again, it's dying. Now, that would be me, right? Like this weird thing, like Jesus said this thing about the fig tree. That would be like for us, like, you know, just the frustration. And so Jesus says it. But when Jesus says it, as opposed to just being upset at the fig tree, something happens. Do you know how many broken things in my house would just be completely destroyed if I had that power? Can I tell you how many times I have cursed an air conditioner, right? How many times I have cursed you know, a dishwasher that stopped doing what I want it to do, if it withered away, we'd be in trouble. Because like I usually end up finding the part or calling the right person, you know, those kinds of things. But here Jesus sees it, gets frustrated, calls out this tree and it withers. And then he immediately follows it with this famous verse on prayer. 
So what's going on here that we have this strange moment of a withered fig tree? And when Peter says, look, that tree is withered, Jesus' response isn't like, yeah, look at how powerful I am. His response is, have faith in God. What happens between the cursing of the fig tree and coming by it later and Peter noticing is Jesus clears the temple. Between those two events, what they have been doing through the day is Jesus comes upon the money changers. He comes upon the evil happening in the temple. And this is when he turns tables and clears the courtyard because what happens is that the money lenders, people are making profit on what God has built because at that time when you came to the temple, everyone had to switch to one currency, the temple currency. And so these money lenders and then people selling sacrificial animals would upcharge, right? It's like when you go to the baseball game, when you go to Disneyland, when you go wherever and people know you're here, you can't get what we have in here out there, so it's gonna cost you, you know, 15 extra dollars. Now that shouldn't be happening in the temple. So Jesus walks in and sees what the people are doing, and when he turns tables, his anger is righteous and justified because what he's saying is, listen, there are people who can't get into the sacrificial system who can't come and give to God what they have brought as thanks offering because you are charging so much for these things. You are oppressing the people when they are just coming to worship God. And so the withered fig tree is this moment of a tree that is bearing no fruit. It looks like everything is fine. It looks like it should be going well. But when Jesus approaches, there is no fruit there. So too, when he comes to the temple, this place that should be a worship center for the Lord, that should be a place of flourishing, of much spiritual fruit, and he walks in and it looks perfect on the outside, but when you get close, there's no fruit. And so when Peter, having experienced all of what's happened in the day, comes back across this fig tree that has withered, not from the top down, but from the roots up, and he says, look, Lord, it's that fig tree that you cursed. And he's blown away by the power of what God has done through Jesus. But Jesus says, have faith in God. Because what he's telling them is he's saying, listen, what's happening here is what's happening to people when their goal of what they are doing is to enrich themselves instead of trusting the faith that God has passed down. The whole temple system was built to point to the sacrifice that Jesus was going to give. That whole system was not built to enrich others. It was built to show that one day the perfect sacrifice would arrive for the people. So Jesus withers this fig tree to say, listen, this is what happens. This is what happens when the focus is not on faith of God, but is on self-enrichment. When the thing that should be producing fruit is not. We'll see it in John 15, when he talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Whoever is in me will bear much fruit. So we get this withered fig tree, and then we get this moment in prayer where Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken and thrown into the sea and does not have doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, will, it will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So he's setting up this understanding of who God is, that he says, listen, God isn't about the money. He's not about the changing of hands. He's not about the prosperity. He is about you. He's about you and that faith that you have. And look at the amazing things you can do when you have that faith. Now, we could break down when you look at that mountain and say, move, that it will happen. We could say, this is alliteration. We could say, you know, this, not alliteration, that sounds sounding the same, illustration, English lessons. Um, an illustration of saying, well, that's like sin and what's gonna happen and all of these things. And while the apostles are about to go and do this big thing, but listen, we take Jesus at his word when he says, listen, if you don't have a doubt in your heart and you tell that mountain to move, it's gonna move. Have faith in God. I came back to that passage this week and I thought, boy, am I dumb. There are a lot better passages on prayer that I could preach on this week. We could talk about pray without ceasing. We could talk about uh, anxiety, and it says when you have anxiety, uh, the combating of that is, you know, pray uh, without ceasing with prayer and supplication come before the Lord. is a gift God gives us to help battle back against anxiety. It doesn't fix everything, but it takes us to that point. There are a lot easier passages we could talk about prayer. And I almost switched because I can do that. I have the power. I can go in. I can change the Bible verses. And then I thought about it. And I said, Lord, this is what you wanted me to preach this week. Because this is a verse that's tough. Because it says, listen, if you don't have a doubt, you can look at that mountain and say, move, and it's going to move. And then if you ask in my name and believe that you have received it, you'll get it. Which, listen, sounds incredible. Because you can go, Lord, the Powerball's coming. You know what I could do with $1.5 billion, $700 million after taxes. <laughs> Listen, if you don't think I was sitting there going, well, Narrative would get, uh, you know, this money, and, you know, Campbell and Star would be getting this, and, you know, I, I wouldn't tell people about it. So I'd pay off my house, but I'd wait to get, like, the real house, you know, because, Lord, you know that I would be so humble with that amount of money, right? You know, and, you know, so you could say, hey, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray, you know, I'm going to pray for this blessing in my life. I'm going to pray for all these things. And if I believe it, then it's going to be mine. And so I just got to get my belief level to the point that when I pray for it, then I'm going to receive it. Right now, all of us can laugh about that. We can say, yeah, that's probably not what God's talking about. You know, when he says that, he's probably talking you know, about a little bit different. And we can talk about how prayer actually changes our heart for the things of God instead of the things of ourselves. So actually prayer as it works would transform our requests into those things that bless us, into things that work as God would seek us to work. So there's a lot there. But what happens when you read this verse and you pray prayers because a family member is sick? 
because a friend has been in a terrible accident. What happens when you pray and you say, Lord, you say I can move mountains, and you say to me that if I pray and believe it, it will happen. So why are the bad things happening to people I am praying for? You have told me that if I do this and I believe it, I will receive it. Because it becomes a lot harder to read this verse when you're not thinking about, oh, I'm gonna get my Lamborghini, but instead you're praying for a child born premature who's sitting in the NICU. That's a very different story. And what happens when you are trying and you are struggling and you say, Lord, you, you said this and we believe that when you say these things that you mean it. So why do some people get their prayer requests answered? And why do I, who am trusting you as completely as I can, why am I not receiving that? And I wish I could tell you the answer. All I know is that Jesus says, if you have enough faith, you can tell that mountain to move and it will. And if you believe when you ask for it, you will receive it. There's some kind of action here connected with faith. And what I want us to do together is maneuver gently through this idea because I've been present when someone else told someone that their friend's child died because they just didn't have enough faith. And listen, you ever wanna see me go Old Testament pastor? Say that in front of me. I wasn't a, like, I was still pretty young at that point, wasn't ready, but now you can be assured I'll go put on my pastor dress and come back. We'll do some confession absolution right there. Because what God has told us, what he's telling us in this moment is less about saying, if you only had more faith, instead he's showing us. He's saying, listen, if you had no doubt, you'd look at the mountain and it would move. You would know. This is less about saying, Lord, if only, if only, and instead it's saying, no, this is about coming to me. These are our verses this morning from the book of Romans. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says this, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus starts that section with have faith in God. When we read that section and say, Lord, I can't get the mountain to move or I'm struggling in this prayer. The prayer doesn't become, Lord, make me a super Christian so that all my prayers may be answered. Our prayer becomes, help me in my weakness. Because what he's showing us in that moment is he's saying, listen, you don't have this, but let me help you grow in it. 
pray as if it will happen and watch what I do. Because sometimes the Lord answers prayers in ways we want and sometimes in ways we don't want. But we learn there's a hidden and a revealed God. The hidden ways of God we can't answer, but what he reveals to us through his word is that when we pray, he will take action. We have faith in God because of what he's done. And listen, I don't know if there's ever been a person outside Jesus who could look at a mountain and say, move. To have that level of faith. Because I think what he's telling us is, listen, this is a lifelong growing. And I think our prayers should be less, Lord, I'm gonna learn how to pray and believe deeply enough. And instead we should look two chapters earlier to a father in Mark 9 who comes to Jesus when everything is falling apart, when his son is possessed and he doesn't know what to do. And Jesus says, you generation of little faith. Will you ever believe? And the father's response is the perfect prayer. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In this chapter in Mark 11, Jesus is not setting himself up as a genie. That if we just asked with the right belief, we get it. He's showing us that he has compassion when we don't have the faith that as we pray, we should take every request, everything to him, but part of our prayers will always be, help me overcome my unbelief. Prayer is important in our lives for so many reasons, but one of the chief being that when we pray, the Lord promises to grow our belief, to grow our strength, in faith of him. I wanna end today with two things. The first is a note card that hangs on a wall in our living room that my dad wrote me at some point. I don't know when it was, but he has this book of prayer by a guy named John Bailey. And this is a quote from it. He asks too much, too much, to whom God is not sufficient. Never be afraid to ask more of God because he is sufficient. When we pray, when we come to him, there is never too much we can ask because he has told us the power of prayer that we could look at a mountain, that we believe we've received it. So let us push aside those fears and doubts and let him show us the power that he has. And then finally, I just wanna share with you a practice I picked up this week, a couple weeks ago. On that prayer call, one of my buddies um, shared that he had made some prayer beads. Not official, nothing over the top. This was $9 from Hobby Lobby. I was the only man in there under the age of 40. <laughs> Did I know where the beads were? No. Was I going to ask anyone? Nope. I was in there for 30 minutes of something that should have taken me five. But my buddy Rob, who pastors a church plant in South Houston, put this together. And I thought, that's kind of cool. It doesn't have any meaning outside of what I've put onto it. I was telling someone about what a blessing it's been in my prayer life. 
And I said, this isn't anything extra holy. It's a prayer fidget spinner. Because what it does is it gives my fingers something to do and be reminded as I pray. And so I've woken up in the morning using it. My buddy Rob built it around the small catechism and praying the chief parts of the small catechism. So for me, I start in prayer with the cross saying, thank you for my salvation, a Trinitarian blessing. I pray the Lord's prayer. Then I go through the 10 commandments, praying that the Lord would keep me in his ways. And I pray the Lord's prayer again. I go through the apostles creed, remembering who God is and what I confess about him. And then I pray the Lord's prayer. And then I really slow it down and I pray the seven chief parts of the Lord's prayer. And then I go through confession absolution, the worst part of the prayer beats because you slow down and you pray over those things you need forgiveness for. But I end every time with that absolution piece. And then I pray for my baptism. I pray in joy for the Lord's supper I received that week. One bead to pray and remind me of the 1002 prayer we pray every day, saying, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Send me as one of your people. And then my final separate bead is I pray Luther's morning or evening prayer, which is very simple. And I have found the peace I have because I'm praying in a new way has been immense. And it's literally thread and the half off beads. And the most like, you know, the cross that looked not the most like bedazzled at Hobby Lobby. It's nothing special. It literally is something to do with my hands while I pray. But what it's done is it's brought me back to the basics of faith that every time I sit and I pray these things, the Lord is growing me. And I find more and more peace, not because of these, the under $10, because the beads are 50% off right now if you go to Hobby Lobby. But it's because what the Lord does when I come to him. That when he says, if you had faith to move a mountain, you could. If you believed what you were praying, it would happen. So every time I sit and pray these things, I'm going, Lord, help my unbelief. That prayer for us is not just about telling God what we want. It's about him coming to us and filling us over and over and over again so that our faith may grow more and more. That as we pray for ourselves and others, we trust the goodwill of God. So let's end in prayer. Lord, Mark 11 is a hard lesson. It's not always easy for us to walk into a place and say, Lord, we pray, we think we have belief, but we didn't receive. So instead of letting us get lost in hopelessness, may we return to the truth of who you are. That when you cursed the fig tree, when you did that, when you cleared the temple, is because you said faith is free. That when Peter commented on it, your response was have faith in God. It was not an admonishment to tear down, but instead the declaration that God is in and amongst his people. 
that prayer is a powerful aspect of our lives. That our faith will grow, that we will see more and more that you have called us to be in this place. To grow in prayer. That in our, in our weakness, the Spirit would groan for us, Lord. And that is actually a depth of faith that we need to learn more and more. So Heavenly Father, teach us. Let our prayer be, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. Thank you.